I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, Minisode number 533. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another mini-sode. I'm so glad that you are here with me. You know what? I've been meaning to remind you that if you like podcasts, then you might like my free secret podcast series that I made. I've talked about this before, but it's been a minute. And I created a secret podcast series that is for really anyone because there are three different episodes, depending on where you are in your life. And it is really for motivation, for inspiration, to help you either get out of bed and get cracking on those goals and dreams that you have been thinking about, or maybe even they're just minor shifts and changes that you want to make happen, all the way to people who are feeling like they're, they have the momentum already and they just need some consistency and even people in the middle. So if you head over to andreaowen.com slash free, you can grab that. And again, it's not in my regular podcast feed. And if you go over to that page, you can get this secret show. All right. Today's mini-sode, I am pulling one out from the archives. I knew, I remembered this post that I wrote, it was around nine years ago, and it was called 11 Things Happy Women Do. And this was way back, you know, still in the kind of the glory days of blogging, and it went viral, it was shared, I don't know, tens of thousands of times, it was all, it was a lot. And when I look back on some of these articles that I wrote, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't actually think that way anymore. Those are few and far between, I will say, in my defense. That doesn't happen very often. But a lot of times I read these articles back and I have evolved and have so much more to say about the particular topic. And this article is no exception. I've also talked in one of my books, I can't remember which one, 
about, I can't remember what, I think I called it like the miniaturization of self-help. And this has really happened a lot with the birth of Pinterest and Instagram with inspirational memes. So these memes have very small bite-sized words of wisdom and pieces of advice that really truly need so much more context when you're talking about your life and you're talking about all of the nuances that happen in someone's life. And all that to say, this particular article, when I read it back, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I have, uh, there's nuance here. And, and And sometimes yes, but also, and I need to go off on this little small tangent about this. So what I've decided to do is is break break these uh, the 11 things into two different minisodes. So you'll hear the first five today. And then in a few weeks, when the next minisode comes out, you will hear the last six of this list of 11 things that, uh, in my opinion, make women more happy. And of course, this is only my opinion. And it's it's really truly based on not just my own experience, but the experience that I've seen in talking to so many women in my community, talking to so many of you, and also the lives of my clients and watching the work that they have walked through in their own life. All right, so let's get this party started. Number one of 11, happy women don't apologize for who they are. So I'm going to, with each of these, I'm going to read to you what I wrote and I will, you know, kind of quote myself and then I will talk about the addition that I want to make about this. Okay. Happy women don't apologize for they are. Quote, we may have spent years censoring ourselves because we didn't want to step out of the box we put ourselves in, worrying about judgment to the point of playing small. Instead, we have come to terms with ourselves and who we are at our core level, as well as embraced, if you don't like me, there's the door. It's the most freeing and liberating thing ever. End quote. All right. Sure. Ideal, ideally, this is amazing. And I think I want to go into a little bit more detail about what it means when I say we've come to terms with ourselves and who we are at our core level. There's a couple different things here. First, it, it's personality. I think for many women, as we've been raised in this culture that has put us in this box and told us we need to be polite and quiet and you know and it depends on the culture that you grew up into it there to varying degrees your box might look a little bit different but people have different personalities and i think for many of us we grew up thinking that we were wrong there was something wrong with us we needed to change who we were in order to fit in better in order to make others comfortable with us in order to not be categorized as difficult or too loud or too shy or, or whatever it is that are your own insecurities about your inherent personality the other thing when i'm when what i mean when i say we who we are at our core level is your values you, you know, I talk about this all the time, the things that are important to you about the way that you live your life. And if you've never done values work before, I highly encourage you to do it. And it's a pretty easy Google. What's important to you? I, in uh, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, chapter, I believe it's 15, I go into great detail about how to figure out your values. So if you have that on audiobook or the print version and still haven't done values work, I encourage you to get that out and do it. But it comes down to 
what's important to you specifically about the way you live your life, not what you think other people will find attractive about you or put you in, you know, the good graces of others or make you look good on paper. If being of service isn't that important to you, then don't put it on there. What if if being more selfish is really the way that you want to be right now, then by all means, those are your values. But who you are at your core is your inherent personality and what your values are. And also digging deeper here, if you really struggle with this, if you really struggle feeling like you censor yourself, really worrying about the judgment or criticism or the fear of failure or things like that, shame work might really be helpful. And this is not about, you know, the the criteria of that feeling ashamed all the time. No, it, it's not that. It's that when we worry about all those things that I mentioned, what is probably happening is that we are letting shame run the show in our life. We have let shame essentially get into the driver's seat of our life. And that is sort of our come from. And we start to base our decisions, our behavior, our thoughts <laughs> from a place of the fear of shame. Because that's what, you know, judgment, criticism, fear of failure, that, that's all that is. So, you know, Brene Brown always says, whether you know your triggers or not, shame is running the show. So it's best to know what they are so that you can figure it out quickly when they're happening and when you're coming from that place. So you can choose other behaviors, so you can choose other ways of thinking, so you can work on that shit, basically. That's what that is. All right, number two, happy women have made peace with their bodies. Quote, notice I didn't say love their bodies. Body love is such a complex issue, and I think it's still a one day at a time thing. Simply making peace with our bodies, especially living in a culture that has raised us to feel fundamentally insecure, is a huge step in the direction that can give us immense feelings of self-acceptance and self-love. End quote. Again, that's a very bite-sized version of a complex issue, right? The body positivity movement, and which has its issues, I will say. Uh, Sonia Renee Taylor was on my podcast several years ago. I want to drop that link in the show notes for you if you haven't listened to it. She talks about the um, the problems. With, and actually, Summer, uh, oh gosh, I can't, I'm not remembering how to pronounce her last name right now, Inam, Inamiman. I'm sorry, Summer, if you're listening to this. She talks about this as well. I'm going to drop both of those links in the show notes if you're interested in hearing more about the body positivity movement and how it has its flaws. And the Health at Every Size movement has been helpful as well. It's really, I think, helped women make strides here and just raised awareness about fat phobia and and topics surrounding that. They can really be helpful if you struggle with body image. And I also think for many, this is a revolving door of work because not only is it, do we struggle with it on a personal level, but we massively struggle with it on a cultural level. And it, there's so many layers to it. And also, you know, what I thought of when I first read this back is my own experience with working on body image stuff 
and body acceptance and then something and getting to a place, you know, where things are good and then something happens. Whether I, you know, I got sick in 2020 and my body was changing pretty rapidly and then also aging. I've talked about the aging process and my own experience and like watching my body change. That's it's deep. <laughs> I don't have a better word for it at the moment. <laughs> but I I think that the vast majority of women have struggled here and you know talking about shame again bringing it back to shame and in Brené Brown's research body and appearance are typically the number one shame triggers for women. Body and appearance, number one shame triggers for women. So this is a universal issue. Uh, and a pervasive one. And I, I just don't want to, I don't want to make light of it. And also, you know, when I mentioned in this, uh, when I was quoting myself, you know, give us immense feelings of self-acceptance and self-love. That is loaded. That is loaded. Self-love, in my opinion, is an umbrella term that encompasses so many different things like self-acceptance, self-trust, self-respect. It's a lot. And I also think that that is a constant work in progress, constant work in progress. I don't have it all figured out. I still struggle in some areas and I'm, and I'm kind of getting my monocle out or my magnifying glass and digging in and like, oh, what's, what's this here? And what is this thing that would be helpful for me to work on or even just look at and get curious about and start to unpack? So it's an ongoing thing and it's extremely loaded. Uh, but hopefully what I, what I shared can be helpful. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and talk to you about boundaries. There's definitely been times in my life where my paycheck ran out before I got paid again and I wish I could have accessed my next paycheck a few days before I was due to get it. Well, what if I told you that can happen with Earnin? Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, number three. Happy women set and maintain healthy boundaries. Quote, 
We understand that no is a complete sentence. We understand that it's okay if someone gets angry that we won't go against what we want just to make them happy. We understand that sometimes those uncomfortable conversations are necessary in order and sometimes with a racing heart and shaking knees, we have them. End quote. Again, loaded. <laughs> so loaded. Um, and, and maybe maybe not as much as the others, but the part that I left out when I wrote that article and that I want to make sure that I make very clear, in addition to, yes, I in my experience, women tend to be happier when they set and maintain healthy boundaries. But before anyone can do that, we also learn how to have these conversations in the first place. Because it's it's one thing just to, again, read a meme or an article that talks about setting boundaries. It's a completely different thing to understand what these conversations look like, how to have them from a place of kindness, from a place of gratitude, compassion, clarity, humility, emotional maturity. That's really the foundation of the whole thing. You can't do it if you don't know what you're doing. In fact, I think that it's reckless to tell someone to set a boundary without also making sure that they know how to do it in the first place because you can cause more damage in the relationship by having a conversation that you're not ready for, that you don't have the communication skills to be able to facilitate and maintain this conversation and be able to to get through it. Because we have no control if the other person has the same skills that we do. The only thing you can control is yourself in that moment. Controlling your tone, controlling what words you use, controlling your reaction to things that they say, controlling if you are making yourself as clear as possible and not getting too emotional in this situation, or if you do get emotional, you can articulate that you need to take a step back and take a break and just breathe until you get to a place where your heart rate comes down, your nervous system is a little bit more regulated and you can continue the conversation. And I I, I mean it when I am acting dramatic here about this because I have so been in that place and have helped countless clients prepare for these kinds of conversations or debrief conversations that have had gone awry for whatever reason. And I just think that it's one of those things that is imperative. Your happiness, there's a direct correlation between your happiness and the health of your relationships. So if you don't know how to have these conversations, which are going to have to happen in these relationships, you are bound to run into these roadblocks. So anyway, that's my soapbox about about that. All right, moving on to number four. Happy women have made peace with their past. Quote, we aren't afraid of therapy. In fact, we often love it. We understand which issues have come from our past, but we no longer blame the people they have stemmed from or the circumstances. In other words, we understand that we are grown-ups, and it's up to us to take the responsibility of moving forward, trying to let go and create the life we want. End quote. All right. It's a lot. Let's unpack that. I mean, I stand by, we aren't afraid of therapy and, and sometimes, well, you know what, actually, let me rephrase that. Sometimes we are afraid of therapy and that's okay. If you are, I think what I, what I mean by that is that 
it might be both, you know, it's the whole like being brave and afraid at the same time, very much in doing the work, whether it's in therapy or not, you can be apprehensive, you can be uncertain, you can be nervous and anxious, but also understand that it is a means to an end, that there is going to be, it's going to suck, probably, but you know what's on the other side is your healing and more happiness, more fulfillment, et cetera. And, you know, my friend Britt Frank talks about this a decent amount in the work that she does. She's been on the the show several times about, you know, in her opinion, we don't have to forgive people that have harmed us. We might still blame them for the trauma that we still have, the issues and triggers that we still have. And I don't disagree with her. I do think that you can live a happy life and still hold on to some blame and not necessarily forgiving the people that have that have harmed you. I think, you know, I was having a conversation with someone actually over the weekend and he was talking about his family and how just, you know, some issues, normal family stuff, typical family stuff, and that he wants to just move forward. And I said, what does that actually mean? What does that look like for you? And he was stumped and said, I actually don't know. That's a great question. It's something that I'm going to really have to think about. And I invite you listeners to think about that too. Like where in your life have you said that even about your own life, and maybe you have some family of origin stuff and you're like, I just want to move forward. Okay, what is what does that actually mean? Does that mean that you don't talk about it anymore with your family? Does that mean that the expectations that you have of them are that they not bring up these issues anymore within the family? Not only that, but they also don't bring the energy in. Because you know, sometimes you can not talk about the thing, but you can still feel the energy or like someone's like still holding a grudge and just, you know, you know, you know. What are your expectations? What does that mean for you to let go? What does it mean to move forward? If that's something that you find yourself saying. I think that also it's important for me to mention that the challenges many times that we have with our family of origin can be the hardest issues to make peace with. And I'm sorry if you can hear my dog barking in the background. She clearly has so many things to say about this. (laughs) She's absolute agreement. But they can be the hardest issues to make peace with. And sometimes it's a long lifetime journey with them. It's an ongoing experience to make peace with your past. Whether it involves your family of origin or not, it might be decisions that you have made, experiences and circumstances that you've had in your past that you really regret, that you don't like the way that you behaved invite you to do parts work if if that's if that's you uh, more commonly known as um, internal family systems that can be really helpful for that type of work but it's it can be loaded making peace with your past but I still stand by that it is absolutely imperative to have it be something that you work on if you have a lot of regret if you have family of origin stuff that keeps cropping up and is impacting how you live your life now. All right, number five, and then we're going to wrap it up. And then you'll have to just wait and see what the last six are. Number five, happy women love themselves unconditionally. Quote, even when we screw up, even when we get dumped, even when we feel uncomfortable in our skin, we don't put markers or mileposts on our self-worth and self-love. We love ourselves no matter what. And I read that back and was like, oh, like, 
little baby life coach. <laughs> Again, uh, ideal, I- ideal, yes. In theory, yes. And this one is also complex. And I want to start by recommending that you define what loving yourself actually means and looks like in your life. And then once you do that, I would love to see that definition because then what I would probably recommend is that you give yourself loads of grace, not just a side of grace, loads of it, load it up. It's like a loaded baked potato of grace because I see a decent amount of perfectionism in personal development. I know, I know you guys, (laughs) I've been watching you and you love to sort of make these lists of, of sometimes audacious goals about what your personal development is going to look like, what you want your life to look like, not just on the outside, but on the inside too. And this can just really breed too high expectations, and then many times feelings of regret and then beating yourself up for not getting it right and not <laughs> not doing personal development right, not, you know, like, oh, I can't even get this right, et cetera, et cetera. You're normal and human, and I have done this as well. And just take several steps back, take several steps back, take several seats, if you will, and give yourself lots of grace. As you create this definition of what it means to love yourself unconditionally, what does it mean to have self-worth? Do minimal research on this, first of all. (laughs) You're Googling it. What does self-worth mean? What does self-love mean? You're probably going to find a million articles, many of them recently written by chat, GPD, GDP, GPS. I never get it right. I probably will never get it right. That chat AI thing. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. So you dig deep, think about all of the work that you have listened to, the books that you have read, the podcasts that you've listened to, the therapy that you've had. What does loving yourself, what do you want it to look like? What does self-worth mean to you? What would it actually look like and feel like for you to be in any kind of relationship, to be in any kind of situation, personal, professional, or otherwise, where you feel like you belong where you feel connected to people and know that you are worthy of their time, of their love, of their attention, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's, that's all. That's all. <laughs> this whole episode was a loaded baked potato. <laughs> I love loaded baked potatoes. They're so good. What do you put on yours? I like sour cream, a little bit of cheddar cheese, not a lot. A little bit of cheddar cheese, salt and pepper, bacon bits, and chives. Delicious. Yes, please. That is all. Uh, Excuse the tangent about baked potatoes. I am just so honored to go on this journey with you. I really want to reiterate that I am on this journey with you as well. I don't have all of the answers. I have a lot of them, but that doesn't necessarily mean... (laughs) that I follow them all the time. I stumble as well and I have to retrace my steps and go back and do the work over and over again. And I'm just happy to be doing it with you and so grateful that you choose to spend your time with me. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. 
Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. I would be so incredibly grateful if you haven't done so already, if you could leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Super easy if you already listen to your shows over there. Um, But if you don't, or maybe you have the app on your phone, but you listen to the show on a different app, if you could leave a review for this show, it matters so much. I wish I could express how much it matters. I also wish that it didn't matter so much, but alas, it does. So if you haven't already, please go review and rate the show. It would mean so much to me. And thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing day. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.